Well, let's go ahead and jump right into this. We are not going to waste any time today. We're, we're not wasting any time, so I'm going to ask for your immediate attention and focus so that we can really dive right in in an effective way. Um, so last week, I mentioned how I've been doing some studies in uh, the book of Acts, and in particular, in chapter 17, and in fact, we read a little bit of that last week. We're going to read a little bit more today, but it's such an awesome chapter in Scripture, and, uh, and so I wanted to dig in and kind of set this before us, um, but what I wanted to do before we dig in to reading this is I really wanted to kind of set the scene and really show you guys the picture of what's happening in this chapter. Because I think what we can so often do, and I have to imagine you can all relate with this, I think so often as we're reading through the Bible, we just so easily skim over things and things go over our head without us noticing. And we're not really digging in the way we need to sometimes. And I think what's helpful is to really see what exactly is going on in Scripture. You know, almost like you're watching a movie, like the scenes are, are playing out in front of you. And so I wanted to try to do that before we get into this Scripture, because I think it's going to enlighten what we ultimately read, okay? So Acts chapter 17, just a, a real quick catch up as we get into this chapter. Really what we're seeing is um, the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul unraveling before us, okay? We, we see him traveling all over the place from city to city, town to town, sharing the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere that he can go. Now, we talk about Paul quite a bit, and one of the things that we say is, is he's just relentless, right? Like nothing's going to stop him. Nothing's going to get in his way, and we see that so clearly in this chapter, just going everywhere and, and speaking out about the gospel. And as we turn, actually, to chapter 17, we see an interesting event that happens because he comes to the city of Thessalonica, which we read about elsewhere in Scripture, and really, as he was accustomed to do, the first thing he did is he goes to the Jewish temple, and he begins to tell them about the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, um, he, he lays this before them and gets some varying results from them, okay? There are people who are excited about this and, and are converted right there on the spot. There are people that want to learn a little bit more. But then there are people who are just flat out angry, about this, okay? I, I mean, they are enraged because you have to imagine in Jewish tradition, if, if you believe that Jesus was a false Messiah and this guy's coming into our temple and talking about him, that's a problem, right? That's, that's offensive. And so over the course of time, they're, they're built up this anger with the people. They actually formed a mob and started to go after Paul. They're gonna chase down Paul and they're gonna hold him accountable for what he's doing. Now, Paul's aware of this. And so now he's, he's going from place to place a little bit quicker than he was before, making sure he's avoiding these people, but continuing with the mission of Jesus Christ. Again, the guy just, he will not stop. He's, he's relentless, but he ends up in the city of Athens in, in Greece. And, uh, and again, as soon as he gets there right away, he starts telling people about Jesus, what, what he's done for them and, and who he is. He's just not going to stop. But what's interesting is with the Greeks here, if we put it into context and understand their culture, this is a group of people who are very much entrenched in Greek mythology, 
Okay, so in other words, this is a group of people who are very much given to idol worship and, and having all of these different gods. And so for this guy to show up and start talking about the Son of God coming and dying for our sins, I mean, it's, it's just something that's foreign to them in that type of way. And so honestly, there, there was a lot of confusion. They weren't really connecting with the message. And they actually do something really, really smart on their end, very, very wise. What they do is they take Paul to a place called Areopagus. Okay? Now, Areopagus is simply this big, this big rock, this big stone that's set on a hill, but it's a very, very important and symbolic place for Greek culture. Okay? This, this is huge for Greek mythology. There's a lot of things that happen there that mean quite a bit to them. Okay? And in fact, what's interesting, as we get to see the words of Paul here, likely he's doing this under the shadows of the statue of Athena. And he's looking out upon a bunch of Greek temples that are in his vision. As we might say it today, he, he is very much on their home turf, okay? They've got home field advantage on him, and they know it, okay? But in this context and, and with this setting, Paul stands up, and he gives us one of the most popular sermons that we read about in the New Testament. I mean, he stands up and he declares the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that they can be saved through him. He unpacks the beautiful identity and character of the one true God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I mean, he pours out his soul upon these people in the midst of their temples and their gods. And we see just this beautiful result and response from the people. Just, just such an awesome scene that we see. But what was interesting is that wasn't even the part of this chapter that really caught my attention. That, it wasn't even the content of his sermon, as beautiful as it is. It wasn't that. It was actually his setup to the sermon. It was kind of his introduction to how he got into the content because with his setup, with, with one word, he pinpoints the error of their thinking. Right out of the gate, he shows them the gap in their mindset. And so this is where we go to, to chapter 17, verse 22, and this is what we read. Then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. You're very religious. You got good disciplines in place. This is great stuff, right? But then we get to verse 23. But as I walked around, I looked carefully at the things that you worship, and I even found an altar with to an unknown God, written on it. Watch what he says. So you don't know what you are worshiping. And so now I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. Such a beautiful setup, right? So much courage and, and so much wisdom. And he hits it right between their eyes. I, I love his courage and his attitude. And here's what he's saying. Hey, you, you guys got the right approach. Like you, you kind of got the right idea and the right disciplines, but there's a really big problem going on here. And that is you don't know God. You, you don't know him. You don't know who you are to worship. You don't know who you are to serve. You don't know where to aim your affections. You simply do not know him. And as I started thinking about really this charge that the Apostle Paul gives these people, I started to think to myself, man, how many of us, if we're really being honest and if we're really being vulnerable, would be able to relate to this story more than we would like to admit. In other words, how many of us, like the people of Athens, might describe ourselves as a religious people and, and as people who have good spiritual disciplines in place and we're dedicated to worship and prayer, and yet the truth of the matter is as we look inward, our hearts say to an unknown God. Because do we really know him? Do, do, do we really seek him? Like how many of us, unfortunately, can relate to this? And this is where we find 
ourselves. And as that very sobering thought continued ringing in my head, I began to think about how serious, listen to me, how serious this issue is for us. I began to think about just how imperative this whole concept is for us. Because listen, this isn't some sort of game that we're playing. This isn't some sort of optional hobby that that we get to be a part of. This is the very meaning and purpose of life that we would know our creator, God. This is what it's about. And so with this in mind and really just this urgency that I've I've been feeling around this subject lately, we're going to begin a brand new series today. Listen, where we are going to seriously and we are going to diligently dig into the character and identity of our God. Listen to me, we are going to seriously and we are going to diligently dedicate to seeking him and knowing him like never before. That's what we want to do over the course of this series. We have to know our God. We have to know him. And so starting next week, actually, what we're going to do and how we're going to approach this is is we're going to take our time and and we're really going to dig into some specific attributes and traits that we see from God just so that we can begin to to really see him for who he is, okay? We're going to talk about some of the things that, that maybe we've overlooked before, maybe some of the things that we haven't understood before, all in an effort to draw closer to him, okay? We'll talk about the attributes that, that make us love and admire him, and we'll talk about the attributes that maybe might confuse us or even concern us sometimes, and then ultimately we're going to bring it together to see this perfect God that we love and serve, okay? Which means today, um, I really just want to use this opportunity as an introduction um, to those things, okay? Because I think this is, this is really important. I really just want to lay out a firm foundation for us to build upon over the next eight weeks because we're really going to need this, okay? So, so don't, don't think to yourself, this is the introduction, I can zone out. No, we need this so that we can truly move forward in a way that we understand correctly, okay? So here are some of the things that I want to do today. First and foremost, I want to be really clear about what our objective and our goal is throughout this series, okay? What do we want to accomplish from this series. I want to lay out some really high-level principles that I want us to, to be reminded of so that as we move forward, we know really what we're driving at and how we can understand the information. And then ultimately, ultimately, I want us to open our eyes to see how serious and how essential this is for our lives. It's time to open our eyes and see that we must be given and committed to this, okay? So this is what we're going to do over the next eight weeks. We're going to get to know our God, okay? So let's begin today, and and let's just start to kind of unpack some of these things. And from the very beginning, I want us to be really clear about what our objective is throughout this series, okay? Like if we could fast forward eight weeks and see the results of this series, what exactly do we want to see? What exactly do we want to have accomplished, okay? And so I'm going to read this. We're actually going to put it on the board so you can write this down and be reminded of it. But here is our objective through this series, that we would begin to truly know God so that we can truly serve and worship him. Let me say that again so it just like begins to to register what we're saying here. The objective is that we would begin to truly know God so that we can truly serve and worship him. That's what we want to accomplish over the course of these eight weeks and well beyond. Okay, so let's begin to maybe tease that out a little bit so we can really see what that objective truly means. And so let's start with this. When we say that we want to begin to truly know God, when we say that, the very first thing that we have to understand is that there is a huge difference between knowing God and knowing about God. 
There's, there's a monumental difference between the two of those. And so let me just hit this one head on, okay? I want you to, to be stretched mentally and intellectually throughout this series. I want you to learn new things about God, and I want you to challenge your preconceived notions, and I want you to expand your knowledge. I want all of that. But the truth of the matter is, if that's all that happens for you over the next eight weeks, this series will be a failure. Because the aim is not that you would simply know information about God, but that you would have a relationship with him. That's the point, that we would have an intimate, personal relationship with our God. That's what we're trying to achieve. And I, wanna, I want you to just think about this in the context of any other relationship in your life. You know, so often we forget that, that it's a relationship just like any other that we have, right? And so when you think about it through that lens, you don't get to know people by simply reading about all of their attributes, right? Or even learning new information. That's part of it. That's a piece of it. But that's not really how we get to know people. How do we do it? Well, we spend time with them. We, we give them a lot of our time and our attention, and, and over time, we begin to trust them and, and get vulnerable with them, and, and we begin to notice how they respond to situations, and, and we begin to see their desires come to light, right? This is what a relationship looks like. And so listen, listen, this is what I want us to experience with God through this series. Not that we would simply know some information about him, but that we would dive into a deep, meaningful relationship with him. That's what we want to do, okay? And listen, the reason it's important to call this out, well, it's because this is what God desires from us. This, this is what he wants from us as his people. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to, to truly know him. That's his desire. Little old you, he wants, he wants you to know him. And let me give you some examples of this in scripture. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter nine, starting in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his, his might, and let not a rich man boast of his riches, watch verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. In other words, don't boast, don't boast, don't be proud about anything else in your life. If you're going to be proud about anything, let it be that you understand and you know your heavenly father. That's what you need to be proud of, okay? This is important. In fact, watch what Jesus says in John 17, verse 3. Watch what he says. Pay attention. Pay attention. Focus in. This is what Jesus says. This is eternal life. Stop right there. Do your ears perk up after that? This, this, I'm about to tell you what eternal life is. Watch what he says. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. This is what it's all about, that they would know you, God, that they would have a relationship with you. That's what this is all about. This is something we have to grasp. We have to be serious about. Now, here's an interesting question, and maybe you can think about this through the course of this series, but what does it mean to know someone? Like, what exactly does that truly encompass for you? Because if we're being honest about it, that can be a very, a very complex thing to really know someone, right? Right? In fact, I'll bet you that you could think about somebody who's come in your life at some point who you would have said, I know that person. Like the back of my hand, I know that person. And yet with one action, you have to back up and go, maybe I didn't know them, right? I don't know that I knew that person at all. This can be a very complicated thing, but this much we do know, okay? This is, this is what we can say. Truly knowing someone intimately, take, take this, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of attention, I'm going to say that again. To truly get to know someone intimately takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of attention. Another way of saying this is you cannot truly get to know someone by accident. It's a purposeful, intentional journey that we go on. And so what do we do? 
What, what, what do we do? Well, we listen in and, and we learn about them. We, we cherish the moments that we get to spend with them. We're attentive and we're patient as they show more and more of themselves to us. And may that be our approach throughout this series. May we be attentive. May we be dedicated. May we be given as he lovingly and gracefully shows more and more of himself to us. Okay? This is what I want to be given to. In fact, I would think about it this way. Maybe this will help just from a practical standpoint how you can do this. But let's just do a really quick exercise. Okay? I want you to really envision this. If you need to close your eyes, really envision this. If you could, if you personally could meet any man or woman in the entire course of history, any person in history, maybe, maybe it's a, a lost loved one, maybe, maybe it's uh, somebody that you would call your hero, maybe it's somebody that you respect throughout the course of history, you get to spend time with that person, you get to spend the day just in their presence. Think about this, okay? What would be your approach to that? Like, like what tactic would you take if you were in the room with that person? Because I would bet money on the fact that your approach would be one of listening rather than speaking. I can, I can see you soaking in every word that's being said, paying attention to every action and, and intention of their heart, leaning in in hopes that they share more and more of themselves to you. And this is what we must do in our relationship with God. This is what we need to do throughout the course of this series. We need to be attentive. We need to be patient as he shows more and more of himself to us, okay? So we want to begin to truly know God. We want to truly have a relationship with him. But Why? so that we can properly serve and worship him. So, so take a listen to this, okay? That means, I'm going to burst your bubble, that means that this whole thing, this whole process is not about you, it's about him. So that we would serve and worship him. That's why we're taking this endeavor. Let me show you how the Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here's what's being said. Paul's prayer for the church is that you would grow in knowledge. In fact, that you would be filled with knowledge and wisdom, but why? So that you can serve him, so, so that you can honor him, so that you can move in him. That's the point. So quickly we forget we can't please him, we can't move in him if we don't know him. It's just, it's impossible to do. True affection is only possible with true knowledge. Let me say that again. True affection is only possible with true knowledge. So let me put it this way. If, if I were to walk up to you, and I were just to start lavishing you with compliments about a bunch of things that aren't true about you, how effective would that be? How, how quickly would you see through that? that he, this guy doesn't know me at all, right? This affection is not genuine. It's not real, right? Uh, or, or what if I were to meet somebody uh, in, in the store, somebody I'd never met before, and I just started telling him how amazing he is. Man, you are so great. You're so talented. You're so capable. How effective would that be? That's not genuine affection because I don't know that guy. So true, true affection is only possible with true knowledge. And this is how it works with God. As we learn more and more about him, as we see his character and his identity, we can better serve and worship him through our words and our actions and our relationship, okay? And so this is our aim. With greater understanding comes greater worship and greater affection, and that's what we want to be about as his people, okay? So we want to truly know God, to truly have a relationship with him so that we can properly and affectionately serve and worship him. 
okay? That is our objective. That's what we want to accomplish. So with that in front of us, um, real quickly, I want to cover some high-level principles that we really need to keep in front of us as we move throughout this series, okay? These are the things that we're going to need to remind ourselves so that we can really filter this information the right way, okay? So they're very practical, but they're very important. In fact, if you're a note taker uh, or if you're somebody that forgets things easily, write this down and go back to it throughout this, throughout this series, okay? So um, three quick principles, and we're going to move through this quite rapidly. So here is the first one. We have to understand that we cannot relate to all of God's attributes, okay? We, we simply cannot relate to all of who God is. We desperately want to, but, but it's simply not possible. And we, we talk about this uh, a little bit in the past, but what we see in Scripture is that God's attributes are broken up into two different categories, okay? And the first one is called communicable traits. So these are simply traits that he's communicated or given to us. So, so these are things that we can actually share in with him. So, so the idea of knowledge and, and love and wisdom and patience, these are attributes we get to share with our God. Now, obviously, he's on a totally different level, but we get to share in that and connect with him in those ways. But the other category is called incommunicable traits, and these are simply the traits that we just we can't relate to, all right? We, we cannot connect with these things. Um, think about his omnipresence, the fact that he's everywhere all at once. We, we can't relate to that. Uh, we think about his eternal nature. He's always been. He, he will always be. We can't really connect to these things, and I think it's helpful to understand that. So again, as we move forward, we can filter this the right way because we are going to talk about attributes that fall into both of those categories. And so we need to understand how exactly to, to deal with that. But I think you're really gonna learn to enjoy that because I think what you're gonna see in this really beautiful way is just how big and amazing and unique our God is while being reminded that we can be like him, that, that we get to share in those traits with him and relate to him in ways that we never thought possible. Now, I, I, I think what we're gonna struggle with here is we can't possibly... We can't possibly understand all of these things, okay? And in fact, the next thing that uh, we need to keep in our, in our minds is that God's attributes are perfectly united. So let me explain that because I know that's not going to hit home initially. But here's what we see about God. God is not divided up into different pieces and parts, Okay? That's not who God is. Now, we do see different attributes of God emphasized at different times, both in Scripture and probably in our own lives. We've probably seen that in our own lives as well. But we never see one of God's attributes uh, singled out as more important or more significant than the other. Okay? Every attribute is completely true of God, and it's true of all of who he is. So let me show you how this bears itself out in Scripture. 1 John 1.5 says this, God is light. God is light. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. John 4, 24, God is spirit. Now, now here's what we're seeing here. It's not that God is like partly love and then you know, he's partly spirit and, and partly light. No, he himself is light. He himself is love. He himself is spirit. And so unlike you and I, he's not this collection of, of various attributes, all right, like if you, maybe if you knew me well enough, you might be able to make a, a pretty accurate pie chart of my attributes, right? Like he's, he's this much love and this much patience and this much anger. You, you might be able to get pretty close, but that's not the case with God. He is entirely loving. He is entirely just. He is entirely graceful, okay? 
Now, again, we do see uh, examples in Scripture where he definitely shows certain attributes more prominently at different times. But we have to understand that all of these things come together in this beautiful, unified, perfect way to show us who he is. Okay? Now, again... This is something that we can't imagine. This isn't something that we can really comprehend. In fact, we can hardly even begin to really understand what that means or looks like. And so this is our last principle. And I think this might be the one that you need to cling to most as we move forward. And that is, listen, we can never fully know God. Okay? We We can never fully know him. In other words, we can never know everything there is to know about God. And the truth of the matter is we're just going to have to accept that and cope with that the best that we can. We're going to rely on our relationship. We're going to rely on scripture, but we can never fully know him. And let me show you how scripture speaks of this. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. You, you cannot fathom, you cannot comprehend his greatness. It's just not possible. Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. You can't measure it. You, you can't imagine his level of understanding. When speaking of his knowledge, Psalm 139.6 says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. It's just, it's too high, I can't get there, okay? And then watch what he says in Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are are higher than your thoughts. We cannot fully know God. He's infinite and perfect. We are finite and limited. It's just reality, okay? It is what it is. But here's why I think we need to, to remember this, especially as we head into this series, okay? Think about this. We can either allow this fact, because it is a fact, we can either allow this to to really frustrate us and and to really irritate our pride, and eventually we're going to get really discouraged and get really down because we can't comprehend all all these things, right? We can do that, and that will happen if you let it. Or what we can do is we can allow this fact to inspire us, and we can allow it to push us and, and, and lead us to understand that our God is so big that we can forever glory in knowing more and more about who he is. And so that's what we need to cling to, okay? So let me encourage you this way. You are not going to comprehend everything that we're about to talk about over the next eight weeks. You are not going to be able to fully understand these things. But don't be discouraged by that. Don't let that get you down. Instead, continue to lean into him more and more as he reveals himself to you, okay? Let's trust in him. Let's lean into him so that he can show himself to us, okay? Because here's the good news. While we cannot fully know God, we can truly know God. And what I mean by that is we can know the truth about who he is and what he desires. And we can grow in that truth every day of our lives. We can do that. Again, let's go back to our relationships in this life. Let's, let's remind ourselves, though we can't know everything there is to know about our friends and our family, does that mean we give up? Does that mean we just cast them aside and move on? No, it just means that, that there's more to learn. There's, there's more conversations to have. There's more things to notice. And this is the same way in our relationship with God. We keep moving forward. We keep pressing ahead. And why do we do that? Because listen to me, this is the highest priority of our lives. This is the pinnacle of our existence that we would truly know our God. This is it. That's why Jesus said this is eternal life, that they would know you. This is everything this is what it's about. In fact, watch what Paul says in Philippians 3.8. Really lean into to every word. He says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
This is everything to me. I, I, I'll survey my life, and I'm so grateful for everything that I have, but honestly, it's loss in view of the surpassing knowledge of Christ. That's all I want. That's the priority of my life, and that's what we want to lean into throughout this series, okay? And so to help with this, we're going to do um, something a little bit different than we would typically do in a series um, because we really, we really want to keep this idea of relationship and intimacy in front of us. And so we're going to put some really intentional steps in place for all of us to come together and do so that we can draw closer to him, okay? We're, this is the first series of the year, and, and our word of the year is move. So we're going to lay out things so that you can actively move in these things and draw closer to him, okay? And so... So listen, here's, here's our request, that you would be committed to these things, that you would give yourself to these things, because I promise you, if you truly do that, you will grow to know him like you never have before. You will see him like you never have before. You will feel him like you never have before. And so let's commit to these things, okay? So three things that we're going to do, they're very practical, but let's give ourselves to them. And the first one is every week throughout this series, every week for the next eight weeks, we are going to have a night of prayer here at the church. Okay, just a night of prayer where we're going to open the doors. It'll only take 30, 40 minutes, but we just want to come together and spend time with God. That, that's literally what we want to do. We want you to just come and spend time with him, focus in on him, right? Carve out that part of your schedule so that you can really be intentional about your relationship, okay? Now, we're going to break it out into different rooms in the building so it's not like we're all going to be huddled here. We want you to have your personal space and really get to meet with God. But you can also do this from home if you're more comfortable with that. But bottom line is we want to carve out some really intentional time to get to know God. And so this is one of the things we're going to do. Okay. In tandem with that, we're also going to have a night of fasting every week throughout this series. Okay. So real quick, if you're not familiar with this whole idea of fasting, it's simply this. This is a way that we as God's people can sacrifice to put our focus on him. Okay. It's really about like removing all of our earthly distractions and just putting our focus solely on him. Just, just absolutely putting our trust in him. This is something that we see Jesus doing just after he's baptized. 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And that's what we're going to do. No, I'm kidding. 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. But listen, he did this just before his ministry just before he was going to step into the things that he was going to accomplish. In other words, this is how he prepared. This is how he got focused to do what he was going to do is to fast. And so that's what we're going to do. Again, it's a new year. And so to start the year, we want to put our focus and our attention on him. And so whether that's one meal or that's the whole day, whatever you want to do, whatever feels right with your relationship with God, then we want you to do just that, okay? Now, if you have any questions about either prayer or fasting, you can go to any one of our pastors. You can also go to Zach and Lauren Loki. They can raise their hands right here and just ask them some questions about how you can step in this in an effective way, and I promise you they'll give you the right advice, okay? But then the last thing that we're going to do is every, every weekend at the end of our services, we're going to have weekly communion together. Okay, and this is something that we haven't been doing lately, especially during the COVID season, right? But um, this is something that we really want to be serious about. And ultimately, here is the goal, is that at the end of every message, at the end of every service, our immediate action is to commune with him. Um, immediately, we're just going to spend time with him and put our focus on him so that as we leave these doors, that we're not forgetting what is the priority, okay? So if you want to do some research around what that means and, and look into that, I would encourage that. Uh, we'll explain it a little bit before we do it each week, but this is going to be something that we can intentionally do to get to know our God better, 
okay? Again, very practical, very practical things. But if we take these intentional steps, we will get to know him better. And here's the truth of the matter. We have to create the right habits in our relationship with God. See, it's not gonna happen by chance. It's not gonna happen by accident. We gotta carve out the time. We gotta be intentional about this. We have to make him the priority. And so these are just a few ways that you can do that to start the year to get you off on the right foot. Because here's the truth of the matter. And and let me just bring this full circle as we end today. I know so many of us feel like we know God. In fact, maybe some of you as I've been delivering this message, you're thinking to yourself, I know God, I know him. And I hope that's true. But I think more often than we realize, we're like the people of Athens. Religious at heart, sure. Some good disciplines in place, sure. But are we really focused on what matters? Are we really given to the real thing? Sure, we can quote scriptures that we learned as a kid, but do we really know the one whose revelation is held within? We we can rip off our conversion story with the best of them. Do we really know the one through whom we've been saved? Because I would contend, despite our best efforts and despite our good intentions, the inscription on our hearts still reads to an unknown God because we have yet to truly know him. And so I would submit to you, it's time to change that. It's time to do whatever you need to do to get to know your God. It's the highest priority of your life. It's the pinnacle of your existence. It's time to put that into action. It's time to move in that. This is what it's about, knowing him.